Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I mean, it is amazing to be here, and I've got to hear a bit about the story of this building and this community, and it's just incredible to actually see it. And as I was praying for you guys during the week, and thinking about today and what to preach on, I had a couple of just pictures that I felt like God had given me, which may be just incredibly obvious to you, they're probably the sorts of things you're hoping for anyway, but I just thought I'd share it as a kind of introduction to what I want to say. And the two things that I I saw, first of all, I could imagine the building with a series of rivers just running underneath it, just dozens and dozens, hundreds of rivers, all representing just years and years of promises. And I saw them watering this tree that grew to fill the building and go out through the top of the building so that it just gave shade to the area around. And I felt like there's a real just exciting thing that God is going to do here, built on dozens, hundreds of promises given over many, many years and hopes and dreams and longings. And God is doing something incredible here. And the, the second picture I had was of... Um, I I don't know if it's the same around here I suspect it probably is where I live and I've been in London until a couple of months ago just random places are turning into sort of walk-in health centres at the moment where you can go and get a check or you can go and get a vaccination and I had my vaccine in a football stadium it's just really random Uh, sadly not on the pitch but you know all these places just being repurposed as walk-in health centres and I almost felt like there's something of that that God wants to do with this space that is to be known as a place you can go and get treated you can walk in and you can get healed I think physically but also in terms of people's just self-confidence and uh just having physical needs met very practical ways I almost feel like there's a reputation for this building and for this church and I know that this is only actually a small part this church is only a small part of what this building will do but I feel like I could almost see people wandering around the town and going oh you look like you need healing I know where to send you and people walking in here as a result and so that's my hope and my prayer for this building but I know that a building in itself won't achieve all those things. We need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is preach from uh, a couple of verses in the book of Acts where the early church cried out for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to help them on their mission and as a result made an incredible difference in their area. So we're going to preach from Acts chapter 4. And if you have a Bible or a phone of the Bible you may want to turn or scroll there, whatever you do. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing. I'll give a bit of context and focus on a couple of verses. But let me explain a bit of the story so far. So in the book of Acts, Peter and John have been explaining the good news about Jesus and they've been demonstrating it by healing the sick. And we're told in Acts 4.4, many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So just backtrack for a moment. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day. Now an extra 2,000 have been added, and it's unclear whether it is just men, and there were actually women and children as well, so it was more than 5,000, or whether that's 5,000 in total. I don't know, we can't be sure, but I'd take 5,000 in a year. Like, whether it's 5,000 or more, that's pretty good going for a year. Not a lot of preaching. 
So 5,000 people have become followers of Jesus and had their lives changed. And the authorities get frustrated with this. And so they put Peter and John in prison and they tell them they are not allowed to preach the gospel anymore. The next day they are brought out and we're told that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke courageously about Jesus. So although the authorities told them you're not allowed to do this, please stop it. And it was so clear that the power of God was with them that really they could do nothing but release them. So Peter and John go back to their church community and find that this church has been praying for them. They share everything that God has been doing. And it says this, When they, that is the crowd of them, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And in response to the collective prayer that they all uttered, God filled them with the Spirit. The building shook as his presence came and empowered them. Not just Peter, not just John, but all of them. And I wish I had time to read the whole prayer, but, uh, but I don't. I just want to focus on two aspects of it. Uh, I think there are two sides to their prayer. They pray for their own work and they pray for God's work. That is, they pray, God, would you empower us? Empower us to do our side of the bargain and then would you do what only you can do? And I want to look at those two things and then I'm going to pray the very same prayer for us. And I mean, I hope if God does shake the building, he doesn't damage it because it's so lovely. But, <laughs> but uh, let's just pray that God comes and fills us with power today. So, the first half, our work. This is what the believers pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I find this a fascinating prayer. The early church were experiencing all kinds of opposition. And if I were in that sort of circumstance, probably the prayer I would pray would be, Lord, would you protect us? Lord, would you get rid of our oppressors? Lord, would you rescue us from this? But they don't do that. Which is not to say it's wrong to pray those kind of prayers, but that's not what they pray. They don't pray, God, get us away from the opposition. Rather, they pray, Lord, would you give us courage and boldness in opposition? And it strikes me that often what we consider opposition, God may consider an opportunity. And if when we face opposition, we are constantly thinking, how do I get out of this? We may miss the very reason that God has allowed us to be in it. Because God, thank you, keep doing that, and the rest of you, catch up. God has put us in situations where we are actually to be the solution to people's pain. And so the answer is not to say, God, get us out of this, although sometimes, like like I say, it's right to pray that he does deliver us from things, but to recognise there may be an opportunity here for which God has uniquely empowered us so that we can be the solution that our society needs. So the believers pray, Lord, would you empower us, your servants, to do your work right here, right now. And when they pray that, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's easy to read that and assume they're talking about Peter and John. After all, they are the ones who we know from the book of Acts went around speaking with great boldness. And it's very easy to read the book of Acts as if the people that really do the hard work are the leaders. They're the true servants. They're the ones who get empowered by the Spirit to do the amazing stuff. But that's not who they're talking about. They're asking that God would empower all of them, equally, to do the mission that they are called for. Maybe this seems like an obvious point, but I think it's one worth making. Because if you're anything like me, you can read the book of Acts, or you can hear stories of great Christians throughout history who do amazing things, empowered by the Spirit, who preach the gospel and loads of people come to faith, or who pray for the sick and they get healed. And it's easy to see that and go, oh, it's so good that God uses some people like that, but that is not me. That is a lie. Because the same spirit that lives in Peter, lived in Peter, that lived in John, that lives in Jesus, that very same spirit lives in you. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) It's true. There is no, like, 
beta version of the spirit with limited features. Like there is no version of the spirit that allows you to do some of the stuff, but you have to pay for an upgrade. Or you only get it when you go to Bible school. Like God didn't look down at that prayer and go, oh yeah, great prayer. I will empower some of my servants, like the extroverts, (laughs) or the ones who are really good at talking to people, or the ones who have a degree in this stuff. No, they cry out, God empower all of us, because they recognize that all of us are servants of the living God. We are all called to the very same mission. And that doesn't mean that the mission will look the same for all of us. We have different platforms and opportunities and skills and gifts, but we have the same calling, which is to make disciples, to explain the good news of Jesus, to accompany that with signs and wonders. And God does not call us to something for which he does not also equip us. The same spirit is available for all who believes. The late John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, he used to say, everyone gets to play. (laughs) I love that. Everyone gets to play. And I, growing up, I I read this book, and often it's called The Acts of the Apostles. And the impression that gave me was it was the apostles that did the miraculous stuff. And that's not me, so it's not about me. But no, that's not true. In Acts 8, verse 1, it says that persecution came upon the church, and everyone except the apostles was scattered. So who is scattered in this point? Everyone except the apostles. And then it says those who had been scattered, i.e. everyone except the apostles, preached the word wherever they went. That's not to say the apostles didn't do it, but it's to say that everyone did it. And one of those guys was a guy called Philip, who prayed for the sick. As he preached the gospel, many people were healed. Every follower of Jesus is a servant of the living God, and God does not call us to do something for which he does not equip us. So when we cry out this prayer, God, would you empower your servants? We're not praying on behalf of someone else, saying, would you empower someone else to do the hard work? We're saying, Lord, would you give each of us what we need for your mission, to represent you well and to be a source of healing and life for this world around us? I love the fact that starts out so well counting the numbers of believers. You ever notice this? 3,000 people became believers at the day of Pentecost. 2,000 now. And then from this point, it suddenly stops counting them. You ever notice that? It suddenly goes, and the numbers greatly multiplied. (laughs) So they run out of the ability to count. Why is that? It's because at the beginning of this passage, you've got two people preaching the gospel. the end of the passage, you've got everyone preaching the gospel. And it's easy to keep track of numbers when you've only got a limited number of people doing the work. But when God empowers everyone, the numbers get out of control. Everyone gets to play. In fact, everyone needs to play. <laughs> it's not just that everyone gets to. Actually, if this city is to be impacted, if this nation is to be impacted... It's not going to come by a couple of people who have good ideas and put in some hard work. It's going to come by every believer taking seriously the call to make disciples and recognising that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Everyone needs to play. So the believers cry out and God fills them with the Spirit. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of that. When you imagine being filled with the Spirit. I often hear people say, and you, know, you may say this, I'm not criticising you at all, but like, some people say, oh, being filled with the Spirit, it's like, it's like a cup being filled. How full are you? And I need more because I leak. I get that. I need to be regularly filled with the Spirit. But I don't think that's quite how we're meant to think about being filled with the Spirit. Because when I fill a cup, it just sort of sits there. It's static until it gets drunk or knocked over or whatever. Then I have to fill it again. I think being filled with the Spirit is less like being a cup that's filled and more like the sails of a ship getting filled and when a cup is filled it sort of it has the spirit within it or the water within it but it just doesn't go anywhere 
When the sails of a ship are filled, there's movement, there's motion. It goes somewhere. That's what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. So if we dare pray this half of the prayer later on, would you fill us with the Spirit? Know what you're praying. (laughs) It's a dangerous prayer because we are saying, God, I am wide open, like the sails on a ship. And I'm asking you to come and do something that doesn't just make me feel nice, (laughs) but actually moves me, gets me out there to make a difference in the world around us. That's the first half of the prayer. A prayer for our work. God, would you empower your servants? But the second half of the prayer switches. And it starts praying about stuff that we can't do. The believers say this, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The believers are asking God to do what only he can do. This will come as a surprise to nobody. And if it is a surprise to you, (laughs) well, maybe you're thinking too highly of me. I cannot heal anyone. I cannot convince anyone to become a Christian. I cannot do any of these miraculous things. God can do them. I can pray, and I can partner with him, but ultimately if those things are going to happen, they're only going to happen if God stretches out his hand. And so when the believers say, Lord, empower us, they're saying, we're going to do our part, but there's something we need you to do. Because actually our best efforts aren't going to achieve everything. So they cry out, God, would you stretch out your hand to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus? And this language of the hand of God, it runs right the way through scripture, particularly in the Old Testament. Take the story of Moses, where God hears the cries of his people, suffering, just horrible oppression. And he says, I've heard your cries and I'm going to come down, I'm going to stretch out my hand, or my arm. He says it again and again and again. And he delivers them through miracles, through dramatic rescue. When Peter and John are crying out, and the believers are crying out, God, would you stretch out your hand? That's what they've got in mind. Would you do in our day what you have done before, through miracles to rescue your people? We need that. We could work incredibly hard. We could have dozens of buildings like this around the city where we do good work, and yet if it's not empowered by the Spirit and the hand of God, it may have a little effect, but not as much effect as it could do. We need the outstretching of the hand of God. But consider this. What does it look like when God stretches out his hand? Because you don't see that. You don't see a cloud sort of part and a hand just reach down. Like That's not how it works. What does it actually look like when God stretches out his hand? Turn the page. Acts 5, 12 says this. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hand, same word, of the apostles. So people pray, Lord, would you stretch out your hand and do miracles? And then the miracles come when they stretch out their hand. So whose hand is it that does the miracle? Is it God's or is it ours? I think it's both. Because they are two sides of the same coin. It should be impossible to tell when the hand of a spirit-filled believer ends and the hand of God begins. Because the hand of God works through the hands of his servants. That's a good point. (laughs) I'm going to say it again, and you can all amen it if you want. It should be impossible to tell where the hand of a spirit-filled believer ends and the hand of God begins. Why? Because the hand of God works through the hands of his servants. Always has. Same with Moses. God said, I'm going to stretch out my hand and deliver my people. How did that happen? It happened when Moses stretched out his hand and the plagues came down and the waters parted. Why? Because God's spirit always works through people. I dare you to find me any verse in the Bible where the spirit works in this world apart from through a human being I can think of one 
And it's Genesis 1, before there were human beings. <laughs> Literally, from that point onwards, the way the Spirit works in the world is through us. The hand of God works through the hands of His servants. A couple of years ago, a couple of summers ago, I was in, uh, I lived in London, I was in Richmond Park, which is this just beautiful park, and there was a little playground area, and I was there with my wife and my daughter, and we were playing, and I looked up, and the gate opened, and this guy walked in, and he was like this massive rugby player kind of chap, uh, which you can tell I am not, <laughs> and, uh, and he had this brace on his leg that, honestly, it looked like the most terrifying, like, scaffolding around him. He was obviously in incredible pain. And he walked in, he was at a distance, and I immediately just felt sick because I knew, oh, God wants me to go and pray for that guy. (laughs) And I did not want to do that. (laughs) And Helen nudged me and went, you're going to go and pray for him, aren't you? I was like, no, no, <laughs> you're not God. <laughs> uh, well, no, she, she thinks she is, but yeah, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I knew, I knew I had to. And so I said, all right, Lord, just so you know, I don't have faith for this today. Uh, maybe on another day, I'm just not up for this. And I just knew I had to. So I said, okay, God, um, I'll do you a deal. <laughs> Never a good way to start a prayer, but I'll do you a deal. Two things. I will only pray for that guy if he comes and starts a conversation with me. He did not look like the kind of guy who starts conversations with random people in a park. So I was like, I'm safe. But second, second caveat. I will only pray for him if he comes and starts a conversation with me and he tells me what's wrong with his leg without me asking. And I thought, that's it. He's never going to do that. And now all I need to do is stay on the opposite side of the park. So we were like circling around the park, just ignoring each other the whole time. And, and 15 minutes went by and I was pushing my daughter on the roundabout and I heard this voice behind me go, excuse me. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> it's like the raptures in giraffe. Park. They just got me from behind. I was like, clever girl. I didn't call him a clever girl. He would not have liked that. But I was like, oh, it's him. I turned around and there he was. This big guy with a massive frame on his leg. And he said, excuse me, I don't suppose you would mind pushing my daughter on the roundabout. I'd love to do it, but I tore my anterior cruciate ligament. <laughs> I was oh, come on! You set me up! <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And so I said, sure, okay, I'll push your daughter on the roundabout. And so I'm pushing him on the roundabout. And, and he just keeps going on. Oh, I did it. I was playing football and I just went in for a tackle and it was bad and I injured myself. And I'm feeling really sad, actually, because we're meant to go on holiday next week. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to fly, waiting for results back from the doctors. And it'd be a huge disappointment for my family. And so, oh, gosh, okay, I've got to do this. So I said, all right, this may sound kind of crazy, <laughs> but I'm a Christian and I believe that God heals. Uh, would you be happy for me to pray for you? And he sort of paused and he said yes, although everything about his body language said no. <laughs> and, um, and I just felt so awkward. I've prayed for, like, that year I prayed for 120 people. Like, I was really going after this. I prayed for so many people. I've seen so many people heal, but there was something about this situation. I just felt terrified. And so I closed my eyes and I prayed the most feeble, awkward prayer. And the whole way I'm praying, I'm thinking what I'm going to do when I finish praying. And as soon as I said amen, I grabbed my daughter off the roundabout and I just left. (laughs) And I didn't do any of those things that I always do of saying, so did anything happen? How do you feel? Are you okay? Would you like me to pray again? Would you like me to follow up? All that stuff I normally do, I just didn't do. I just bolted it. And I got home and I just felt so disappointed in myself. And I was praying and being like, why was I so filled with fear? And I really felt God convict me of the fact that I pray so often for God to stretch out his hand. But I'm so reluctant to stretch out my own. And yet if we are to be people who cry out for God to stretch out his hand, we need to be people who are willing to stretch out our own. Because how are people going to get healed unless we pray for them? How are people going to respond to the gospel unless we share the gospel? The 
hand of God works through the hands of his servants. So if I say, God, stretch out your hand, but I refuse to stretch out mine, I'm going to limit the work of God. If we are going to be people who pray this half of the prayer, we also need to be people who pray the first half of the prayer. Lord, empower me to do my half of the bargain so that you can work through me. I long for revival. I long for God to do things in our day that he did in the book of Acts. I hate the fact that those stories we read in those 28 chapters are so uncommon in my experience. I shouldn't be the case. But too often I feel like I pray for God to do things that he's waiting for me to step out and try and do. I wonder if God is up there going, you could ask me to stretch out my hand, I am just waiting for you to stretch out yours. We need to be people who take that courageous step of asking God not only to work in this world, but to work in this world through us. And the message of the book of Acts and the story of Pentecost and from there on is that God does not call us to do something for which he does not also equip us. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. Just Actually, I wasn't planning to say this, but when I was... done this talk once before a while back and it was during the pandemic and I was really feeling the fact that I hadn't had an opportunity to pray for anyone for a while actually be with them and pray for them uh, someone who was sick and when I was praying about this um, I was really like oh, I feel a bit of a fraud delivering this sermon having not been able to pray for someone and so I asked God would you give me an opportunity to pray for someone and that afternoon uh, it was the Friday just before I preached it a guy called me and he was like this is a bit weird but I've got a really bad shoulder and every time I think oh, I should get someone to pray for it. I think I should get you to pray for it. And at this point, this guy was in London, I was in Oxford, and, and uh, so I said, all right, let's, let's do it on Zoom. And this guy didn't know. He was the answer to my prayer. And he thought I was going to help him. And he was like, you, you've been sent to me. I'm not saying that God hurt his shoulder for my good, but I said, like, this is a great opportunity. So here I am on Zoom. And I said, well, you know, if I were with you, I would put my hand on your shoulder because I believe that my hand can be, in some sense, the hand of God. Why don't you do that yourself? So he put his hand on his shoulder, and I prayed, and he was like... How are you doing that? My hand is just so hot. I can feel this heat running down my arm. And by the end, his extension had been to about there. By the end, he could lift his hand right above his head. God can do incredible things. We so often limit him by practicalities and say, Oh, well, if the circumstances are right, then I might do it. God is not limited in the ways that we are limited. Let's not limit him by refusing to stretch out our hand or open up Zoom or whatever it happens to be. The believers pray, God, would you stretch out your hand and would you empower us to stretch out our hands? And what happens? The place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. I need that. I need boldness. I need courage. I need power. Left to my own devices, I'm a wuss. I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to people and praying. I long to see God move in power. So I've got to get over that. I've got to ask for more of the power of the Spirit. And so I'm going to pray that prayer this morning. I'm going to pray it for myself. I'm going to invite us all to pray it. And it is a bold prayer to pray. Because when we ask God to fill us with the Spirit, we're saying, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do things that I wouldn't want to do in my normal temperament. But God, we want to invite you to move in power. So I wonder if you would stand, and I want to pray for us and give us an opportunity to receive from the Holy Spirit today and I should say that I don't know everyone in this room I don't know your experience of God or of a church like this if this is new to you they're coming to take me away (laughs) this happens all the time they found me (laughs) 
if this is new to you, like feel free to sit, observe, think, whatever you like. Um, don't worry about how other people are reacting or engaging with God in this moment. If you're not even sure if you believe in God, that's totally fine. Just sit there and listen and maybe think, what if there was a God? What would I want to say to him? How would I want to experience him? And maybe if you feel courageous enough, just say, God, I don't even know if you're there. But if you are there, I'd love to know. I think that's a prayer he loves to answer. So I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I believe that as we pray that prayer, he always answers it. That doesn't mean it looks the same for every person. Some people it's dramatic. Some people it's just gentle. You feel like something changes inside you, you grow in courage, or something shifts, you develop character traits that are positive and good, and or you find that your prayer life is re-energized, or you worship with more life, or whatever it happens to be. For some people it's dramatic. You may experience physical healing today in the presence of God. You may experience God prompting you. You may find that there are names or people or things in your mind. You're like, how did that get there? It's because God is prompting you about the areas he wants to breathe into you, to push you into, so that he can be you working through you as his hand in that community. So why don't you just hold out your hands where you are. You may find it helpful to close your eyes. It's just a way of saying with our bodies, we are like sails open to catching your wind this morning. And I'm going to pray and we'll see what happens. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait. And you might want to just, in the silence of your own heart, just express to God your longing and your need for Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. We need you to do what only you can do. I long to see what I read about in the book of Acts and I read about in the pages of history, the times where you move in power through a community like this and you do incredible things that bless a city or a whole nation. I long to see that. I long for this community to taste that. For people to be healed in this building of everything, of physical needs, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to be put back together again by your power and your presence. I long for you to stretch out your hand, for people to get in, in relationship with their Creator. I long for you to clothe us with power on high, from on high. I long for you to do miracles in and through us. Would you stretch out your hand in signs and wonders to heal and deliver? But we also recognize our frailty and our weakness and our inability and our fear. And so we ask that you would fill us with courage and with power. 
that we will be willing to stretch out our hands so that through our hands you can stretch out your hand and touch and heal a broken world. Come Holy Spirit. Just keep, just keep receiving from God. If there are particular needs or longings or things that you want to talk to Him about, you do that. But I just particularly want to pray for anyone who has physical pain or sickness here today. I would happily pray for you one-on-one at the end, but you don't need me, actually. You need God. And so we can pray together and ask Him to come in power. And so if you don't mind, and of course, if this is too vulnerable, feel free not to, but it just helps me to get an, an idea. If you know that you have physical pain or sickness that you would like prayer for today, why don't you just raise your hand where you are? Okay. And of course, God knows more than I need to know. <laughs> Why don't you just, where you are, put your hand on the part of your body where you know you need healing. And maybe if you are next to someone who you know needs, uh, needs healing, needs a touch from God today, and if it's appropriate to do that, you may want to just lay your hand on a shoulder, just as a way of saying, I'm with you, I'm standing with you in prayer. And let's pray for the hand of God to bring healing. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Thank you that you have power over all sickness, over all suffering. I speak to pain and sickness in this room and I say, bow the knee to the King of Kings. May the kingdom of God come in bodies right across this room. I speak to things that are out of line and I say get in line in the name of Jesus. I speak to muscles that are torn and frayed and I say be made new in the name of Jesus. Bones that are weakened and damaged be realigned, be healed in the name of Jesus. I want to pray that where people have, I just feel like there are people who've had limited mobility, maybe in particular areas and things that have just been difficult to do. And and I just want to pray for loosening now in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray that even as we are in your presence now, God, you would bring soothing and healing. Just that heat and power of your spirit that brings freedom. Come Holy Spirit. If you have a pain and if it's the kind of thing that restricts you from doing something and if it is the kind of thing you can test and not everything is like that particularly like in a place like this but just try and move, just try and test just try and see if God is doing something or if you feel like his presence is on you somehow with heat or just a sensation that just makes you know he is with you and just feel free just test it just move just see see if you can do something you couldn't do a few minutes ago come Holy Spirit I feel like there are some people who have just been really lacking energy recently and I don't know if that's a health thing um 
Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a condition or if it's just something in life has got you down and you just feel like you're lacking energy. But I, I just want to pray right now for a reinvigorating by the Holy Spirit. Yes. He is like fire that comes and cleanses and renews, but also just, just fills us with power. And so I want to pray for those who have lacked energy, just the energy to be refreshed, to be renewed, that those psalms that we sing about, about you renewing our strength, that feel so abstract, would not be abstract. In this moment, I pray for people to receive new energy afresh. Come Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you would start something in this community today that would have ripples across this city. I pray that this would be known as a healing centre. That people who don't even believe in you would say, hey, I've heard rumours that you can go to this place and get healing. Why don't you try it out? I pray that there will be people who aren't Christians that become evangelists for this building. I pray for a reputation that if you go there, you'll meet God and your life will not be the same again. Stretch out your hand over this city in signs and wonders to heal and deliver. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship, but just keep receiving from God. If you feel like a prompting to share something with someone else, maybe if you can't do it right now, and that's totally fine, like moving around in times like this is a challenge, but if you feel like God is speaking to you for someone else, an encouragement, write it down and make a commitment that by the end of this morning you will have shared that with someone. And if you know that you need healing, if you know that you need someone to pray with you, I would love to pray with you at the end. I'm sure others would as well. Please don't leave here today without receiving prayer. But also know this, that as we worship, this is not a warm-up to something else. This is an opportunity for us to meet God. And God can stretch out his hand and touch you and meet needs that you know and no one else does right here, right now, even as we worship. So let's give ourselves to worship and see what he will continue to do.